Will you join me in prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Community is our focus this morning, our common home. We've spent this series in Faith Matters talking about why our faith matters. We've talked about how we are all made in the likeness of God, which we called our common humanity. We talked about our common problem, sin. And last week, we talked about our common solution, Jesus, and the redemptive love that is offered to all of us. If you've missed a week, we encourage you to go back and listen, but also each sermon stands on its own too. The beginning of our series was pretty heavy on the theological topics, which is important and great. They were core identities to who we are as Christians and as United Methodists. This week and next week, we'll focus more on how our faith actually manifests and grows in our everyday life. The premise we've been working with is the idea that our faith does indeed matter, and it truly influences how we interact with the world around us. We are going to still be looking at those very first believers in the book of Acts. Remember that Acts is written by the same author as the Gospel of Luke, and so they can actually be read right after one another as a collection of the life, ministry, and resurrection of Christ and the ramifications Jesus' ministry and life and love had on the people post-resurrection. Our scripture reading today is going to be one that may be familiar to a few of us here. We are picking right up off where we last, last left off. Peter has shared on Pentecost that the Jewish people gathered must truly repent of the past mistakes they've made and that they can be given this new life, this new love that is offered to all people. The people ask Peter, okay, so what does that mean? What do we do? Repent and be transformed, Peter says. And the story continues with our reading this morning. Acts 2, verses 41 through 47. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. God brought about 3,000 people into the community on that day. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and they shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day, they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. And the Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. It's not too hard to picture those first believers, is it? They're all Jewish people. Gentiles don't enter this particular narrative until later on in the book of Acts. And they're all living together in these communities, 
focused on their common commitment to follow Jesus. But it begs the question of us today if this depiction of the early church matters to us. Are we supposed to be like that early church? And if we're not, what are we supposed to take away from this recollection of Luke? When I first began working at Christ United, our Sunday night youth programming for high school students was called 242. It was based on Acts 242. The purpose was to provide a space where we could eat together, where we could dive deeper into scripture together, where we could pray together, and just generally spend time with one another. It was based around the idea that our faith in Jesus demands more of us than just being by ourselves in faith. Instead, we must be in community. Jesus had a community. It was Jesus and the disciples. These early believers built this first community, these first Christians. Even the most independent solo of people can grow by being in community with other people. I do believe that this early depiction of the church matters. I believe church matters. Not the building, not this worship space. I believe church, the people, the people who make up the church, who come to know Jesus better, are essential to our faith. It's important how we grow. Let's take a closer look at a few of our verses from Acts. We read that over or close to 3,000 people were brought into the community of Christ followers. And then we get that 242, Acts 2, verse 42. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayer. While Luke, unfortunately, doesn't give us a play-by-play of what each of these aspects mean in detail, we can assume that they quickly became a part of this church's DNA. These were the four priorities of the first emerging Christian church. In what ways do we practice these things? In what ways do we practice these things personally and as a community? Really, I want us all to take a minute, look at this list. How do you follow each of these? I know the shared meal thing's a little complicated right now with COVID. Actually, some scholars believe that a shared meal actually meant taking Holy Communion with one another. Scholars are pretty 50-50 on the interpretation here. Uh, And if we think of it as communion, we have been able to take communion together even though it's looked a little different. I want us to keep these four aspects in mind as we continue together this morning. How are we already doing some of these things personally and communally? And how can we do some of these things better? When I was in seminary at Perkins at SMU, I was first introduced to today's theologian, Dr. Elaine Heath, and 
the introduction was not through a textbook or a lecture. Instead, I met a few of my classmates who were living in these communities called Epworth Houses. They were inspired by a new monastic movement. This meant that some of my classmates lived together in houses throughout the Dallas area where they practiced a daily commitment to their spiritual life and they worked to connect with their literal neighbors. I found myself immediately intrigued by this way of life and I learned that this project was founded by Elaine Heath and Larry Duggins. This was the first moment I heard of Dr. Heath. She is an ordained United Methodist pastor and was a professor at Perkins during my time. She went on to be the dean of Duke Divinity School at Duke University, and now she focuses her time living in an intentional community in North Carolina, where she also leads a nonprofit. Dr. Heath has this deep love for the United Methodist Church, and she believes in John Wesley's understanding of means of grace, and that we all, as Jesus followers, were built to be in community with one another. Her book, Five Means of Grace, Experience God's Love the Wesleyan Way, follows Wesley's understanding of what he called class meetings and holy conferencing, and basically means this is what it looks like to be in a community of followers. So I want you to imagine like a small group or a Sunday school class, and Dr. Heath believes that these types of communities amongst Christians are super important. She lists these three essential elements of small groups. I think I have a slide, yep. Number one, the group is gathered in the name of Jesus. Number two, the group grows in faith. And three, the group is engaged in missions out in the world. It kind of looks familiar to that earlier list we saw in Acts 2.42, huh? Those four elements of the very first Christ followers. Dr. Heath says that when we are all gathered in the name of Jesus, our priorities have to be in line. We all have to be focused and centered on Jesus. That's what she means with number one. And that there will be times that as a community, we have to recognize that maybe we're not doing a great job of gathering in Jesus' name that sometimes legalisms and mundane tasks of life can get in our way, that they can keep us from truly knowing Jesus' transformative power. She writes this, when we remain centered around Jesus, he is with us and we find our way in participating in his work out in the world. That's how you know you're on the right track, that Jesus is at the center of what you're doing. The next element that she names is growing in faith. And of course, growing in faith can be done in a number of different ways. Whether it's following John Wesley's three simple rules that we talked about in January, or maybe it's developing your own spiritual practices that you practice throughout your daily life. By having set practices of what we believe and how we stay true to them, 
we leave space for our faith to grow. We have conversation and dialogue with other followers of Christ. The last element that Dr. Heath lists is being in mission out in the world. She believes that is a key component of small group life. We're going to put a pin in that because next week our whole focus is on common mission. So come back to hear more about that. John Wesley and Dr. Heath both recognize that community is important to our faith development, just as this early church in Acts recognized and lived their lives in community intentionally. When I asked each of us earlier if the depictions of these first believers in Acts matters to our faith today, I'm convinced that our theologian Dr. Heath's answer would be an emphatic yes. Her understanding of community gives us this beautiful starting point on how we can truly live life together. Throughout the years, people like John Wesley and his day and Dr. Heath today show us examples of how to live out this community in our modern day context. Now, there's a lot more to our scripture passage than just the reading we had in the 42nd verse. Luke goes on to tell us that God performed all these wonders and miracles through the apostles and that the believers were united, that they shared everything. They would sell their possessions and give them to those who needed it. And they would continue meeting together in the temple and eating meals together. Luke ends in verse 47 by saying this, they praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. All of those aspects of the first believers are super important to who they are and how they acted in the world. But they all hang on verse 42 on the believer's devotion to the teaching of the apostles, to the community, to their shared meals, to their prayer. All of this other stuff happens because of the way the first believers practice this community. They allow the Holy Spirit to move through them in a way that they go about doing their life. It compels them to act in this sort of crazy counterculture type of way. But there are some risks to this type of living. The early believers did not live in a utopia. Reading the scripture, it sounds pretty magical and lovely and pretty. But in just a few chapters, drama comes rushing in to these first believers. And even still, even if we didn't know what was still to come in the book of Acts, this way of living in and of itself poses a risk to become exclusive. Some communities become so into one another that they're no longer accessible to all people. When we decide to close the door on certain people, we close the door on Jesus. 
Here at Christ United, some of our staff, Meredith McBride, Kristen Steed, and Ashley Danner, have been doing a study and coinciding podcast on Rachel Held Evans' book, Inspired. In the book, Evans writes this, the apostles remembered what many modern Christians tend to forget, that what makes the gospel offensive isn't who it keeps out, but who it keeps in, lets in. What makes the gospel offensive isn't who it keeps out, but who it lets in. We see this understanding of inclusiveness of that first church. The end of our passage in 247, let's read it for the third time today, y'all. I really want us to get this point. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. People were added daily. There wasn't room for exclusivity or closing the door on certain people. They were living into this whole new creation thing. They were being transformed and they were welcoming others in because they were welcomed in. I love this. They welcomed in new people with new stories, with new understandings and experiences of Jesus. Just as the Bible doesn't tell us that all these people agreed about all of these things, it's fair to say that this community probably doesn't remain stagnant. They have to adapt to the ever-changing believers who are coming into their space. They have to adapt because they are about to be persecuted by their government. They are ever-evolving, ever-adapting, ever-changing the way they practice their faith. Yet, they remain true to their core identities as a community of believers. This is our challenge this morning too. How do we keep opening our doors to all people? How do we keep reading scripture over and over again and keep an opened heart to the way the Holy Spirit is convicting us and moving through us? What new lens do we need to read scripture through? What new people do we need to welcome into our community? How can we truly hone in on what matters most and be inclusive enough to open our community to the entire world? As I was talking through this sermon with my spouse, Jake, he told me that it made him think of this Muhammad Ali quote. Muhammad Ali said this, the man who views the world at 50, the same as he did at 20, has wasted 30 years of his life. The church, the community of believers must continue to grow and to evolve and to view the world in new and inclusive ways. Being in Christian community means doing what Dr. Heath called gathering in the name of Jesus keeping Jesus at the center. Jesus did ministry in new and inviting ways, in innovative ways. Jesus didn't rely on doing things the way everyone else did them. 
Jesus practiced this deep community with his disciples. Jesus challenged the people of his hometown. Jesus spent time with those who everyone else closed their doors on. We must be in a community that challenges us to grow in our faith because our faith matters. When I was in youth ministry, I would meet with many parents who were looking for guidance for their child who didn't feel like they fit in in our youth group. The student didn't want to come because youth group just wasn't the place for them. Or a student wanted to go instead to church with their friends. As I met with these parents, I didn't have a magic recipe. Instead, often, the parents and I would brainstorm together. If a student didn't feel like youth group was a good fit for them, where else could we get them plugged into at the church? Youth choir, volunteering in children's Sunday school, helping lead in worship, volunteering as, as in our serving others ministry, volunteering as an usher or a greeter. If a student wanted to go to church with their friend, much to many parents' confusion, I encourage them to go to church with their friends. I want all people to be in a space where they want to be. If we go to church out of guilt or out of a moral responsibility or to make someone else happy, we're not truly living into that community life. Yes, I believe the Holy Spirit can work in the hearts of all people even those of us who are resistant or who may rather be somewhere else. But I also think it's healthiest when we find a community we can truly grow in. We want this service and this congregation to be that to all of you, with no strings attached except an openness for the Holy Spirit to move in big ways. If you want more information on how to get plugged in here at Christ United, feel free to talk to me, to our serving team out front. We would love to hear about you and your journey and how we can help you find a community within these walls. We have a large church, but often people are able to find those small groups that truly make Christ United feel at home. We wanna be a community of believers here at Christ United who are welcoming to others, who challenge one another to go deeper in their faith. Faith matters. Our faith communities matter. Music, sermons, they can be lovely, transformative things. Community is also essential to this whole following Jesus thing that we're all trying to do. I invite you to come with us Journey with us. Challenge yourself with us as we strive to be an inclusive, ever-evolving, Jesus-loving community. You are welcome here. Amen.